Welcome to the Live Leadership Podcast with myself, Leela Singh. All things coaching, career, and personal branding. This podcast is for ambitious career professionals like you, wanting to create a life of choice and freedom, to be, do, and have more through overcoming limitations, to develop new perspectives and insights, and to redefine your success, be that in work, health, relationships, and so much more. In this week's show, I want to share with you a recent episode from My Brand TV, a conversation with Spencer Lodge, where we talk about all things sales. Everyone likes to buy, but most people will say they hate to be sold to. The word sales can quickly create resistance for some. Many people will say they either hate or avoid sales, and in some cases saying it repels them, or in fact, others. And here's the thing. My belief is that no matter what role we're in, we are all in sales. And from a young age, we are learning to influence, to win others over through giggles, tears, and smiles, to get what we want, food, attention, cuddles. And as we progress through life, we continue to influence, to show up in a way that will have others buy into us, whether socially, seeking a partner, cajoling children to be good or securing a new job. For example, a job interview is a sales conversation. Ultimately, in life and in business, we want people to know, like, and trust us. To enable this, we must build connection with others through influence, through selling, and through selling ourselves. Building connection is a core element of building our personal brand so that others form a good impression of us, have us top of mind, and want to gravitate towards us. Spencer Lodge is one of the world's most dynamic sales trainers and the founder of the Blue Sky Thinking Group, a nine-figure business. He delivers incomparable, high-energy sales workshops that are some of the most in demand on the planet. With almost three decades of experience of helping companies multiply their revenue, Spencer's highly effective sales techniques help individuals and companies achieve explosive growth. In the show, Spencer shares with me his perspective and passion for sales, the good, the bad, and the ugly of sales, why people have a resistance to sales, selling, and or salespeople, and the correlation between sales and advancing your career or business. So let's head over and hear what Spencer has to say. Spencer, hi there. How are you doing? I feel really great after that. What an introduction. Thanks for having me. <laughs> it's an absolute pleasure. Absolute pleasure. So what's going on? You're out in Dubai, aren't you? Yeah, I am indeed. Happily over here in Dubai, not having to struggle with lockdowns and stuff and feeling sad for the people that have been in different parts of the world right now that aren't able to get out there and get stuff done. But uh, I know that the, this thing, these things will pass. We just have to be patient and uh, and we'll get there. But uh, yeah, that's where I am. And a lot of people would say, you're lucky to be in Dubai. The weather's great and sunny outside. But Definitely. what people don't, don't remember is that Dubai is closer to the center of the, the sun than it is anywhere else for six months of the year. And so, yeah, it's a tough environment to be in for the summer of the time too. <laughs> Very tough, I'm sure, I'm sure. So guys, if you're watching live, drop your questions for Spencer in the comments box. Say hello. Let us know where you are watching from today. Spencer, I would like to start by asking you, 
what attracted you to sales and, and how did you get started in it? Um, I think there's a couple of things to acknowledge here when it comes to people getting into sales. You either did really badly at school, um, that's one reason you got into sales, um, or you heard that you could make a lot of money. And so they're, they're the two reasons I think a lot of people get into sales. They kind of either fall into it at the beginning um, because, you know, the, the traditional doors that they were looking to be opened, whether that was, I don't know, I had the example, you're never going to be a journalist, you need a degree in journalism. And so that was kind of like a line that was ticked uh, through my idea. And so then I had to revert to something that, that I could do and I learned how to sell. And, um, you know, I, I, I don't think... I want if I'd have known what was involved, the hard work that was involved in the first couple of years in sales, I'm not entirely sure I'd have gone for it. But now I've, I've gone through that process, you know, many years ago, 30 odd years ago, I've gone through that process. I now see um, how important it is to business and I care very much for it as a subject. I care very much for it as a profession. Um, and selling's fun. You get a lot of highs in sales. You get a lot of lows as well, but you get a lot of highs. And the highs are, you know, they're, they're, they're great endorphin releases and adrenaline pumping experiences. And we all like a bit of that. Yeah, totally, totally agree with you. And, and you're right. There's the highs, there's the lows. You've got to be able to adapt and deal with both, right? Um, and I think for me, I, I spent the last 10 years of my career in sales and it was never something that was planned or on my radar or that I even thought I would be capable of doing um in part because when i started out in my career i was extremely shy lacked the confidence and you know having gotten past that and being able to to work on my my i guess my interpersonal skills my confidence the ability to to reach out and build relationships it made it easier for me to transition into that but it's definitely something that i recognize as in, is important in sales so so tell me what is it you love most about what you do um I think that, that when you're in sales, you have the ability to control the income you earn. So you own the income in sales. Nobody's going to package up a salary for you and make you live on and budget on that salary for the rest of the time you're working there until you get a, a measly five or 10 percent pay rise. So that for me is a big advantage. The other thing is that the reason I love sales is it's the backbone of every industry, whether you're a one man band or you're a multinational conglomerate. It's the backbone of every single industry. There's a lot of people out there that look down at selling and they're negative about it and cynical about it. And they, you know, they, they think they're better than salespeople. But I say to everybody that has a salary in every company around the world, if your company didn't make money, you wouldn't have a salary and you wouldn't have a job. Where do you think the money comes from? Do you think it walks through the door? Or do you think you've got people in your organization that go out and find the clients to bring that revenue through the door? And if you if you do that and you understand that, then you'll have more respect for people that are in sales. Absolutely. Yeah, totally agree with you. And it's interesting, the perception in you know, companies I've worked for, salespeople, and they always get the big budgets to go out and enjoy themselves. But they actually forget, as you say, that a lot of time it's the, the business is there because of the selling. It's the salespeople um, that are, as you say, the backbone. So we have some co comments coming in here. We've got James. Hey, guys. Nice to see you, Spencer. Hey, James. And Brad. Hi, Leela Spencer. Good insight from sharing such with lots of energy and smiles. <laughs> Helen Lane. Boom. So many people don't get that. Thank you, Spencer. Thanks, Helen. Thank you guys for being here. So... Spencer, my belief is that no matter what role we are in, so what job we're in, what business we're in, as you said, whether you're, a, you're on your own or you're in a conglomerate, we are all, to some extent, in sales. What's your belief around this? 
Well, yeah, as you said earlier on, and in in, as you presented this this episode, you know, we are all in sales for, you know, my daughter's going to leave university next year. She's going to go for job interviews and she's probably not going to get the first job that she goes for. And it's probably going to break her heart. and She's going to feel rejection. Um, but that's because she didn't sell herself well enough to get the job. And so it's important to understand that when you go for a job interview, you have to sell all of the benefits of you. You have to sell all of the advantages of them employing you. You have to sell the benefits of the future of that business with you being part of it. So selling starts at a young age for all of us. It's just that people don't take selling as a skill seriously. And, and for me, it's very frustrating that they don't, you know. And so when, when, when you look at sales, it's such an exciting industry, an exciting subject but you can pick out, you know, what does the lawyer do when he's standing there? We used to watch a TV show called Boston Legal. What does Danny Crane do when he's standing there in front of the jury? Okay, and he's either defending or he's prosecuting. He's selling to the jury. That's what that's what that guy's doing. He's selling that he's per he's a client is innocent or that the other client is guilty. He's selling that concept to the the judge and the jury. Think about it when you go into a business and you're you know you're trying to put a big pitch together for a big organization. You're selling. You know what about if you run a team of people? You've got to sell your ideas and your concepts to those people within the team that you run so that they buy into it and then they they then uh, go and execute on what you've asked to. So it infiltrates so many factors of our lives. What about when you're, you know, you're at a boot sale and you're there at the boot sale and you look at something and you like it and you're like, how much is it? And the guy goes 20 quid. You're like, ah, oh, mate, come on, give it to us a tenner. Okay. You're selling the idea of a tenner. Um, and so what you've got to remember in every situation is that someone's either going to sell you on yes or, or you're going to sell them on no. It's, it's one of the other. So in a conversation between two people, the person that influences the other one the most is the one that will influence the, the outcome of that conversation. And so it's really important to understand that. But again, people think it's gift of the gab or, or outgoing personality. You mentioned being shy earlier. Some of the best salespeople I've ever met were incredibly introverted characters. They just knew the art and skill of sales and they took it as a profession and, and gave it the same kind of dedication that anyone would becoming a lawyer, a doctor, an engineer, et cetera. Wow. Yeah. And brilliant examples there you shared. And I think that that um, backs up what I was saying earlier about we are all in sales. So, you know, even if you're in an organization and you're, you know, you're an accountant or you're in HR or you're, you know, in IT, um, it doesn't matter. You're still having to influence people around you. If you want to be considered for that next big project or to be um, promoted to the next level or you want to be in line for some of that bonus pot, because, as you know, it's always limited. And they're going to think of the people who are top of mind for them, the people who are selling themselves through or by virtue of what they're doing day to day. So it's really imperative that you're looking to do that throughout everything you do in your role, irrespective of not being in a direct or indirect sales role. So thank you, Spencer, for sharing that. And tell me, in your experience, what is the resistance that people have towards sales? So whether it's selling themselves, selling their products or services or others selling to them, because I hear a lot of that as resistance, people wanting to do it or having people sell to them so tell me a bit about that and your experience of that let's understand this from maybe another angle that the, the one of the most important things for people that that, that 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 frightens them more than anything else is public speaking now public speaking is terrifying to people because they worry about what those people they're speaking to are going to think of them so they're worried about being rejected 
And this is where sales is an issue for so many people because they fear being rejected. Now, what we've got to remember is that sales is not for everybody, just like every other industry is not for everybody. You know, not everybody wants to be a doctor. Not everybody wants to be a lawyer. It's not not for everybody. However, it doesn't mean everybody can't do it if they really want to. You know, if I really wanted to be a lawyer, if I really wanted to be one, I could be one. Nothing wrong with that. Okay, I just got to get my brain in the right space. But the reason that people struggle with sales is there's incredible fear of rejection. People don't want to be rejected. But what you have to understand about sales is that why would anybody, if you took 100 people, why would those people, all of those people be interested in your product, be interested in your service, like you, get along with you and want to buy from you? That's just physically impossible to get 100 people out of 100 to do that. It's just never going to happen because you've got personality clashes. You've got differences of opinion. So that's going to happen. So, you know, what I was taught when I learned how to sell is that you have to find rejection first. And, you know, my job when I was first in sales was to make 100 cold calls every afternoon. And the first day of making cold calls, my boss said to me, right, what I want you to do is I want you to go and find 99 people to say no and then come and see me. And I'm like, what? He's like, yeah, just phone up 99 people. I want you to find 99 people to say no to you. So picked up the phone, started making the calls, had my script, you know, had my objection sheet, you know, had it all there, phone, standing up there, giving it the whole energy thing and made these 190, uh, these 99 calls. And I got rejected from no thank you. It was the politest way to F off and be off and all that kind of stuff was hanging up on the phone, all that nonsense that some of you give to salespeople when you answer the phone to them. Okay, be kind. Um, and I got to the end of the day, went to my boss, said, here he goes, 99 no's, and he'd give me a high five. He said, good man, good job. See you tomorrow. And I, I left work, and I left work wondering what that was all about. Next day, I went to work. Same thing happened. I, I went to get 99 no's. So I picked up the phone, everyone saying no to me. And when they were saying no, I'm like, okay, have a good day, because I was seeking the no. I was looking for the no. Went to see him at the end of the day with my 99 nose, gave me a high five and a hug. He's like, brilliant job, well done. He said, now, what you understand here, okay, is that no's aren't that painful, are they, when you look for them? And I'm like, no. It's like, what you've got to remember is most people are going to say no. But you have to earn your yeses. And that means you have to go through the no's to get the yeses. So understand that's part of the process. If you don't have that part of the process, you won't get the yeses. And so for me at that young age, it was very then easy to understand that rejection was critical to success. And it was ingrained on me as a 19 year old kid that I needed rejection. So I didn't struggle with it because I was trained professionally to deal with it. Most people aren't trained professionally to deal with it. What happens is they've got this great product, this great service, this great company, this thing they love. They think it's amazing. And then some people go, no, not interested. Thanks. What do you mean not interested? Oh, my God. He said, no. She said, no, I'm rejected. I'm like, what am I going to do about it? Oh, no, I won't be able to pick the phone up again. I'm not going to send an email in case they don't respond. It's like, what a load of nonsense. OK, you're just you're just selling yourself on the idea that everyone's going to say yes. Buy into the process and buy into an understanding that most people will say no, because your product isn't the best thing since sliced bread. You're not the best thing since sliced bread. Your service isn't the best thing since sliced bread. It has a niche market that it applies to. OK, find that niche. Keep pushing it. Keep refining it. And maybe you'll convert more, but you'll never convert everyone. Yeah. <laughs> and I'll leave that question there. There's nothing lot to add to that. Uh, but. It, it, you know, it's ex exactly what you're saying there. It's it is the rejection, and I think I've been there, and sometimes I'm I still find myself there, 
where it's like you don't want to hear the no's because you take it. It's like asking someone on a date and they say no. It's personal rejection. Um, you wouldn't know that. You're a woman. We used to do that when I was young before the internet, going to a blooming nightclub, two o'clock in the morning, be walking around with a drink in my hand, trying to find someone attractive to get their phone number and take them out on a date. That's rejection at the highest level. I can tell you that. You women, you women dish that out thick and fast. <laughs> So but this is the thing, I guess, to your point, and, and it's the same in business or in the workplace, is not everyone is going to buy into you, is going to like you or want to be around you. And for me, that's why personal branding is so important, because it's you want to be showing up as the best version of you. So particularly in the workplace, you want people to gravitate towards you, as, as you said, Spencer, you want people to know, like, trust you and to want to, to be your friend, your colleague, to then have you in their team, to promote you, to be your supporter. And the way to do that is ultimately it's selling through influence, through the way that you show up um, and, and, and accepting the fact, as you say, that not everyone's going to like. It's like having an opinion on social media. I know a lot of people, in fact, some of my clients who I encourage them to, to share on social media, just you know, to comment, to maybe put a post. And people are reticent to do it. And I used to be that person because well, not everyone's going to agree with me or not, not everyone's going to like what I say. And it's getting past that and accepting that that's okay. Have a point of view. But these, and, look, these, these aren't mature responses. These are, this is the behaviour of children. This is the childlike mind of an adult that behaves like this. I'm not going to post something online because of the fear that not everyone's going to agree with me. Okay, you think that everyone should say yes to you, but they don't. You know they don't say yes to you. Just flip it around a little bit here. If you go into work in your work and you've got a hundred colleagues, do you love them all, or do you think some of them are dickheads? You know, do you love them all? Do you think some of them are a little bit stroppy, a bit moody? You know, not everyone do you like. So why would everyone like you? And it's the same with social media. You post something. What are you expecting? You've got to expect people to come on. This is stuff we teach our kids. All right. It's sticks and stones, isn't it? You know, sticks and stones may break my bones. But they say, who cares that some people disagree? But also remember, if you post something and someone disagrees with what you're saying, they're still taking the time to do it. So you've got their attention. Yeah, most definitely. You've got some comments coming in here. I've got a question from Brad. We'll come back to that in a second, Brad. James, no one likes to hear no. They see it's a personal rejection. And as a result, it's easier for them to do nothing. Absolutely. Yeah. James, excellent point strategy. Train people to like the no. Yeah, I like that. And I've not heard that said before, but it's, it's, it's actually very powerful. Graham, hi, Graham. How are you doing? I used to tell my team that getting to no was vital towards getting to yes. I hated the maybes. <laughs> Amen to that, Graham. No one likes a maybe. Yeah, give me a no. I'd rather have a no than a maybe. Don't leave me hanging. Imagine yeah. that you're in the nightclub. It's two o'clock in the morning. And you say, "Can I have your number?" And she says, "Maybe." Oh man, you know what do I do with that? <laughs> so Brad's asking a question. Um, what What's the reason for being in Dubai with your sales focus besides the weather? So how long have you been out there, Spencer? I've been in Dubai for 16 years, but I left England when I was 23. So 27 years overseas. I've lived in 10 countries. I was told every time I went to a new country, it's different here. It's different here. People are different here. 
They're not. They're the same everywhere around the world. People want the same things. People from different religious groups, ethnic backgrounds, all want the same things. Everybody wants exactly the same thing. Happiness, peace, to be successful and to be loved. That's what people really want. And so uh, understanding that, it, it, I, I became interested in, in learning about different cultures, different environments, and building businesses in different countries. Um, and to be honest with you, um, I, I came to Dubai not expecting to spend much time here, but it's a really easy place to live. It's an easy place to travel from. The airport's great. Um, and people in Dubai have a different mindset to people in the UK in general because people come to Dubai. There's no unemployment benefit here. You can't sit around on your bum and do nothing. You <clears throat> now, of course, we don't pay income tax, but you have to have a job. And so people are here because they want to be better themselves. They want a better career. It's a, I describe it as the modern day gold rush. People are here because they want to be successful. And so, of course, everyone enjoys the sun and we get the perks of that. But you've got the sun in, you know, you can go to Marbella and have the sun, but no one's going there to build their career, are they? No one's going to the south of France to build their career or Cyprus. People are coming here where we've got the good weather, just like those places, but they're here to build their careers. And so there's a level of optimism about the place. And the leaders of this country um, are very, very ambitious. And that ambition kind of seeps into the every aspect of Dubai, hence the reason that I'm here. <coughs> yeah, and I, I guess then you, you could say, Spencer, that it, it's, a, it's a place of opportunity, but like the US was talked about for, for a long, long time. Um, as a place of opportunity, Dubai is similar. It's taught me, you know, it's taught me, living here has taught me that everywhere is a place of opportunity. If I if I knew what I knew now in the UK and I, and, and I had all the benefits and the knowledge and experience that I've got in the UK, it, you know, we're in Dubai. There's nine and a half million people in this country. Dubai is one city um, of three and a half million people. There are more people that live in London that live in the whole of this country. The country, UK, is 67, 70 million people. The opportunity, the market opportunity there, by comparison, is massive by comparison. And that's still a fraction of the United States. And so understanding that I'm really in a, a little, an island almost in terms of population, then break that population down. 66% of the population is Pakistani and um, uh, Indian. So that's 66%. Then you've got the Filipinos, which is the third biggest nationality. The local population is only 19% of the total population. There's about 300,000 Brits that live here. So our market's very tight, depending on what we're selling, for a lot of people anyway. And so the opportunities in other places are much, much bigger. It's just that there is definitely a level of optimism and positivity here, and everyone's wanting to get on, you know? Yeah, definitely. And Graham's saying tax exile. <laughs> I don't pay any income tax, Graham, but that's your choice to live in the country you live in. I live here. Um, but trust me, it's a lot more expensive living here than it is in the UK. So at the end of the day, it kind of evens itself out. Yeah, so that, that is definitely, I agree with that. Shahista saying, UAE is a country of great opportunities. Thank you, Shahista. So guys, if you have any questions for Spencer, do pop them in the comments. So I'd like to ask you, Spencer, when it comes to sales, what three things should you avoid doing? So in other words, what turns people off? Um, they say that dogs smell fear. Well, prospects smell desperation. And so when you're in sales, desperation is written all over your face. So that's something to be acutely aware of. Number two, um, people that don't know how to sell as professionals like the sound of their own voice. 
remember that you're not going to learn anything when you're talking. You'll only learn something when they're talking. So be really good at asking questions. Be really clear on what the fact that, that your job is to meet somebody, a company, an individual, learn about their situation, identify a problem and fix or solve that problem. If you don't focus on that, all you're doing is trying to push stuff on people that they may not need. And it's just a waste of time. So be very careful of that. And lastly, understand that sales means you have to close. So if you're going to spend time talking to people and, and prospecting and developing relationships and you don't ask for the business, you won't make any money and you won't be successful. So remember that you've got to ask for the business. Stop thinking. Um, that they're just going to buy from you because that's not how people behave. You have to encourage them to either sign on the dotted line or whatever it may be that they need to do. So it's really important. There's loads of other things that you shouldn't do. Smell good. If you're face-to-face -face selling, smell good. Don't smell bad. People hate people that have got body odor. Okay, my mum will never buy from someone with dirty shoes. And so make sure you present yourself well. Give yourself your best shot at presenting yourself. Um, and, and, and make sure, you know, like a, uh, when you meet someone, we used to handshake people before we fist pumped. And when we used to handshake people, no one likes a floppy, wet, sweaty palm to shake. It's the worst thing ever. It's like, what did I just, oh, what did I just, oh, slippery, horrible stuff I just touched then. So make sure when you, you meet people, you do things the right way. And that's, uh, if you're not going to shake their hand, then make sure you've got a nice, clean, firm fist pump or uh, whatever it is that you might do. But there's so many things that people get wrong because so many people get into sales thinking that they can just pick it up as they go along. And it doesn't work like that. You know, imagine going to the dentist and sitting down with him and he's like, open wide. It's my first day. Let's have a go with this drill. You'd be like, you'd be out of there like a shot. You know, you sat with the doctor and, you know, you tell him what the problem is. Yeah, my knee's really hurt and I've got a problem with my knee. And he's like, hold on a minute then. And he puts a sling on you. You'd be like, what are you doing? You know, it's like, what, why? You wouldn't even go there. What about if a lawyer, you sat down with a lawyer and he said, yeah, I've never won a case. <laughs> oh, great. Excellent stuff. You know, that's really good. Okay. And it's just so, it's like that with every profession. People take their profession seriously so they can get somewhere. And the people that take it more seriously and work hard are generally the ones that rise to the top. And so like in sales, you've got to take your profession seriously. It's not a game. All right. It's a business and it's a business that can give you massive massive results like massive results if you just took it seriously but if you don't because you're riddled with that whole i don't like to have people saying no to me in your ear or some nonsense that you've created in your head then guess what no one else loses but you and that seems a bit daft to me yeah yeah very very true and uh, and so you, you touched on earlier you mentioned about um some of the best sales people that you've come across have been introverts but they've got the skill so what are the core attributes of a great salesperson, share some of the skills. Um, so, so number one, you have to have an, an, an innate interest in people. So you have to be genuinely interested in people. You can't fake being interested in people. If you're just interested in making money and not interested in people, people will see through it. So great salespeople are genuinely really interested in people. That's the first thing. Secondly, they understand the skill required to build rapport. They understand this is a process that you follow and building rapport creates a bit of common ground and a bit of trust. And if you meet someone for the first time and you're just transactional, invariably, if you've got two humans having to deal with each other, you need to create a human connection. So you need to learn about their career and the decisions that they made. You need to learn about what they do in their spare time, their family, get to know them a bit as a human being. The more interested in them you will be, the more interesting they will appear 
uh, or you will appear to them. So build, build, and build more rapport, great trust. You know, add humor into your relationship as well. Not everything has to be serious. Make sure that it's fun. This should be a great experience. Whether you're selling a sofa, I don't know, printer, blooming ink, I don't know what it is. Whatever you're selling, make the, make the relationship fun, you know, enjoyable. And I don't mean cheesy Benny Hill jokes, you know, or not, not you know, this kind. I mean, make it engaging and fun and, and make the experience fun. And remember, okay, that great salespeople understand the needs of their prospects. So get to the needs as soon as you can. Find out what their problem is. Really be a skillful person at learning about the problem and working out whether you can be a solution to that problem. You don't need to be loud and boisterous like me. I mean, look at me. If you look close up at me, I've got gel on my hair. I, if I've got my suit on right now, I look exactly like your worst nightmare, every salesperson you've ever met, okay? Okay, so I've, I've got that salesman's look. But work really hard on your energy. Make sure if you know if you are high energy, be high energy. But if you're not, okay, then use your shyness or use your uh, your uh, inability to be boisterous. Use that as, a, as an advantage. Because remember, you're dealing with four personality types. You've got a driver, you've got an amiable, you've got an expressive, and you've got an analytical. Now, those four personality types cross over. Learn about those personality types, and remember this: um, an engineer will be typically analytical. Well, if you're full of the beans, okay, and the joys of spring, sometimes the analytical guy wants the introvert. He actually wants the analytical mind sometimes. You know, you're dealing with a driver. He hasn't any time to waste, but you've got to, you've got to hold him. You know, that driver, just he's going in a straight line. He doesn't want to mess around and faff around. He wants to be straight and clear. So grab him and shake him and say, no, sunshine, we're doing it my way. Okay, this is what we're going to do. I'm going to get you in line with me and make sure that you control that. You've got the amiable guy that will be your best mate. And then he'll say to you just before you expect to pick the deal up, oh, no, I'm going to go with my other friend. And you're like, no. And then you've got the expressives. And so when you look at these different personality types, learn about them. Learn how you can communicate with them. Learn how you can identify them. And so that you can then bring your arsenal of weapons and tools to the court so that you can play. Very nice, really valuable advice there, Spencer. Thank you. And we've got some questions coming in as well. What's Brad saying? A mini Wolf of Wall Street in Dubai. Thank you, Spencer, for sharing your passion and stories and a disco image at 2 a.m. No, maybe, but more yeses. Very good, Brad. He's <laughs> got a question. What would you recommend to improve the sales skills? Reading books, following great people like yourself, finding mentors or coaches. Does this work? None of them at all work. This is a profession. This is not picking up a book, reading it, and then learning something. You have to go to school, all right? You have to invest in learning the skill. How are you going to learn to be a lawyer? Pick up some books? No. You've got to find someone, okay, that can teach you how to do it, whether that's a company, an individual, whatever it is, and they must demonstrate that they've been able to do it themselves. Find somebody that's walked in the shoes you want to walk in and pay them as much money as you can to teach you a skill that you'll be able to use until the day you die. It's that important. So there isn't, you can't fling little bits at it. This has to be a concerted, committed, structured effort. And I think if you do it that way, then you can get the great benefits from it. If you don't, it's like doing anything, you know, reading books about being a lawyer, reading books about being a doctor. Really? Is it really going to work? Are you really going to build a career in that? Probably not. So that's what I would say. Thank you for the question, Shahista. I hope you're keeping well over in Uzbekistan. Thanks, Spencer. And a question, there was a couple of questions that came in um, yesterday for you. So the first one is, um, they're both from Justin Williams, who's business development based in the UAE. 
and he says, what are your thoughts on e-commerce digital transformation and how this will play a pivotal role in the acceleration of the UAE's economy as well as for the aspiring salesperson? Well, I think e-commerce um, has played a role in the economy of every country over the course of the last 12 months in a very big way. So um, I don't think it's, it's specific to this country. What was the second part of that question? Um, so digital transformation as well, and then as well as how would it play a pivotal role for the aspiring salesperson? Well, an aspiring salesperson has to understand, like everybody, that there's different digital strategies now. I mean, let's, let's take the example, the easy one. We used to knock on doors and make cold calls. And we used to lick envelopes and put them through the franking machine with mouth shots that we used to send to people all those years ago. And that changed. Lead generation now can be done online. Um, and so in business, lead generation changes that dynamic. Instead of that long, drawn-out, cold-calling process, you can now generate leads in different ways. Look, there's going to be some things that can be sold online, and there's going to be some things that have to be sold face-to-face -face on Zoom or face-to-face -face in person. So good examples of this. Um, financial planning is a great um, example of people that, that nobody really no. Many people don't really understand money. Most people sit with debt. They sit with credit card debt. That credit card debt, you know, the credit card interest rates are at 50% or something outrageous, but they still sit there. Most people are underinsured. They don't have enough life insurance, critical illness insurance and this kind of stuff. So people need to be educated. And although um, people are going online to buy these types of products, a lot of them with life insurance, for example, they'll buy a life insurance policy, a small one. It won't do the job they need it to do. And invariably, it won't then solve the problem if anyone dies. So there are some products you have to literally go and advise people on. But more and more, people are buying things online. You can buy cars online now, whereas, you know, back in those days, people wouldn't have done that so much. Um, I just don't think it will never, ever, I don't think selling will ever, ever stop face-to-face, -face, but I think it will be limited in the types of products that you can sell face-to-face. -face. And so the furniture salesman, the, 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 the PC world, you know, the electronic salesman, these, these people are a dying breed. Um, but people that um, are building businesses, they have to sell with what they're doing as well. And so they have to understand the importance of being a really good salesperson within their businesses too. I mean, if you want to float your e-commerce business, have an IPO, or you want to raise capital to grow that business, or you want to find an investor, you're going to have to sell your business, the concept of it, its strategy to other investors. And that's really important to remember too. Yeah, thank you. And, and Justin's other question, Spencer, is what coaching or mentorship do you offer for those living in UAE? So I do one-to-one -one coaching um, or one-to-one -one mentorship. I'm, I'm not a coach, okay? All I will teach you to do is what I've done myself. Um, that That's all I will teach. And people get great results because of it. But I'm a no-nonsense type of guy. So it's like, you know, you pay me for my time. You don't mess around. If, you, if I notice you're not taking action, then there's no point me doing the, doing the work with you. But, but I offer that kind of stuff myself. And uh, if you want to know more about that, then you can, by all means, hit me up any way you want to, and I can tell you about it. Thank you. And so back to personal branding, Spencer. When it comes to your personal brand, if you take people who are working in a company, organization, um, and they want to position themselves for others so that they form that powerful, that good impression with people. They're recognized for their talents. 
um, and they're top of mind for the decision makers. How can those people best sell themselves in a manner that have, has other people wanting to gravitate towards them? So you shared a lot of from a direct sales kind of thing, what people should and shouldn't do. But from a more generic, we're all in sales. How do we show up as our best self to have people want to to work with us, to hire us, to, you know, to be around us? I think there's a lot of stuff that's been going on forever about that. You know, you go into a working environment and you want to shine in that environment, but then get your head down, get your tail up and work your nuts off. Be kind, be that person that's interested in what everybody's got to do. Try and go above and beyond. Always, always present yourself well or, you know, literally be thoughtful. You know, there's some silly things that you can do to get attention of other people from a brand perspective is, is to write down in the diary everyone at work's birthday. You know, everyone at work's birthday. But literally on their birthday, send them a video message or go up to the desk and sing a happy birthday. That'll get them remembered no matter who it is. You know, little stuff like this is about making sure that you're at front and center of people's minds. Um, be collaborative, you know, be, be, be kind when talking about others. People will suss it out very quickly when you don't. And then when it comes to the digital side of things, use LinkedIn properly. You know, post LinkedIn content that's valuable and interesting and engaging on a consistent basis. Let people know that you're a thought leader in the area that you work in. Let them know that, you know, you're really interested in that subject. Trust me, you might be putting content up and seeing nobody responding. They're watching. Trust me, people are watching. Use TikTok. Don't think it's a dance app. You know, I've got a, a lawyer friend of mine that took me six months to get him onto TikTok. And now he's known here in Dubai as the TikTok lawyer. All right. A huge amount of business he generates from TikTok. So don't be frightened to go into those areas. Remember that people will, will check you out. So and, and you know what? People are mean. People are mean and people are troublemakers. And so if you give them an inch, they will take a mile. So make sure that you don't, you know, and make sure that people see you as a good person, a kind person, um, a driven person, but someone that is not selfish. And so these are all kind of like natural characteristics that any good professional should have. I just think if you add that um, uh, onto an online presence, you know, go, go and look what I do. I don't have a huge following. I've got what 150,000 people across my channels. So it's not a huge following. But, you know, I'm, I'm very keen to share the stories on my podcast of people that have been through real life experiences, like really real life experiences. And, and, and I was committed to doing that, you know, people that have gone through unimaginable experiences along the way. But by doing that, in two weeks time, I start filming a TV show because I was genuinely interested in people and their stories. And one of my guests has now allowed us to be able, be able to make a TV show, a proper TV show for Netflix that's going to start filming. And so there's lots of great stuff you can do. Don't come out of your lane too often as well is one thing I would say. If your lane is your lane and you like that lane, stay on lane, you know, stay in your lane, be the, be the king of that lane. Don't jump around between different lanes because it will make other people confused as to who you are and what you are. Brilliant, brilliant advice there, Spencer. Thank you. And I, I like the point you made there. Something I say very often is that keep posting, keep commenting because you never know who is watching. Um, LinkedIn in particular, I've noticed that, you know, a lot of people who come towards me know everything that I'm putting out there, but they've never once engaged and that's okay. But people are watching and people are seeing what you're doing. So that's really important to keep doing and being, as you say, consistent. And just, you mentioned- An example of that is hmm. someone might say, I only got 30 likes on my post. That's, and that's nothing. And why do I bother? And I'm like, well, just imagine if those 30 people were in a room with you right now. 30 people that liked your stuff in a room with you right now. 
Those 30 people potentially could be 30 prospects and could be 30 clients. If you were in a room with those people right now, knowing they liked your stuff, how would you feel? So don't underestimate the importance of this because it has its power. Yeah, most certainly does. And, and you talked, Spencer, about your podcast. Um, as kind of just to bring in the personal branding aspect of that, what was it that you did somewhat, I'm guessing, strategically in some shape or form to, to bring in some of the guests that you, you managed to get onto your podcast and the likes of, of Tony Robbins, of Gary V, of Dr. John Martini? How... What what was the approach you took? What was it, how did you show up um, to be able to to be successful in, in having them agree to join you? Um, when I want something, I go and get it. So what I did to get Tony on the show was I uh, reached out to his manager, and she basically said no. She didn't say no nicely. She said it quite aggressively. I then found his publicist in New York. She said no. I sent her some flowers. She then said no again. I then sent her some cupcakes. And she said, you shouldn't have bothered sending flowers. I love cupcakes. What do you want? Um, I told her what I wanted. I knew Tony was going to be in Dubai. And she said, make a video. I can't promise you anything, but I'll make sure that he sees the video. And so I made a video saying, you said it's not about, um, uh, uh, I forgot the word now I used. What was it about? Uh, anyway, I forgot, but I, 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 it slipped my mind. Anyway, I made a video for him and I was jumping and screaming at him saying, you said, <laughs> um, and he watched the video and he's like, who's this nutcase? And anyway, when he came to Dubai, luckily enough, we got him into the studios and he was he was amazing. Um, other people I've been able to leverage because of Tony in that space, I think. Um, but again, like with everybody, you know, like Dr. Shafali, I just reached out to her on Facebook. I said, I know you're going to be in Dubai. I love you. Please don't say no. My fingers and toes are crossed. And she was like, no problem at all. I checked her out. Great. But you know, we're 150 episodes in now. The, the podcast changed direction a little bit about a year ago and went into people's personal stories. Um, and that that was a real shift for me and, and into an area that I, I care about more than anything else. And so um, the, the podcast has opened up so many doors you wouldn't believe with people's who you wouldn't have access to normally having them on my WhatsApp and being able to call them and have a coffee with them uh, to people um, that have just got stories that I think the world needs to hear about. Amazing. Amazing. And what's the name of your podcast? <laughs> it's original. You won't have guessed it. <laughs> it's called the Spencer Lodge podcast. <laughs> <laughs> very good. Very good. And, James is saying more info on the Netflix show, indeed. So if you can let us know more about that. Um, in two when weeks' time, we start filming this. There's, there's the, the show. It, I've got it. The, 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 the show will be filmed in two weeks' time, the first episode. Um, uh, the, the, it's all about me working on the uh, global sustainability goals. It's a, a show where I go and identify the problems around the world that the governments need to fix of each country. I highlight the problem, highlight somebody working on that problem, and then I secretly go and raise finance for that person and uh, get their project funded. And so I've got 17 goals in 17 weeks and 17 episodes. Fantastic. It starts in two weeks, you said. Filming starts in two weeks, yeah. Amazing. We'll be looking out for that. Graham says, brilliant. I think it's brilliant to everything you shared today. <laughs> um, and I think um, you mentioned about um, salespeople being, or the ones that aren't so good, liking the sound of their voice. And I know a big sales skill is listening. So what about asking the right questions 
how how do we know what questions to ask? Why is that important? How do you refine that? First of all, you must understand that open-ended and closed-ended questions should have been taught to you at school, but they weren't, and you still forget to do them now. So the answer is always ask open-ended questions, meaning questions that start with who, what, why, when, where. That's really important when questioning people so that you can give them the opportunity to answer something other than yes or no. So that's a really important thing to do. Asking questions. Look, if you know your industry and you know your subject, you'll probably know the problems your client faces. You'll probably know typically what kind of situation they go through. So don't tell them anything. Ask them in a way that they then tell you. Ask them in a way that they want to share that information with you. So build rapport by asking great questions. Learn about the problem by asking great questions. Think about the kind of questions you could ask. Write down, with rapport, there's 15 questions. Five questions about career, five questions about social life, five questions about their family. 15 open-ended questions. You will know in your industry what you do, how many questions you need to ask. So write those questions down and think about the best ways to ask those questions. But again, this is a skill. This is not something you can wing. You have to learn it. And one of the best ways to learn it is role play. And people go, I hate role plays. Oh, don't give me role plays. I don't want to do a role play. Look. You can don't mess it up in front of the client. Mess it up with a colleague. Mess it up with a friend. Mess it up with a family member. But don't mess it up in front of a client just because I don't like role plays. It's a load of nonsense. It's essential, just like rejection. (laughs) (laughs) So, a couple of things. So, Graham just asked a question. Let's just go to his question. Like out there, Spencer. Graham. I'm not a sailor, so I don't know. You'll have to ask the sailors. I think when it's windy, it's good, and when it's not, it's not. I suppose. No idea, pal. And I think um, taking into account everything you've been talking about today, one of the biggest things I'm hearing to be successful, whether it's direct, indirect sales, it's just building your brand, it's to have a genuine interest in others and want to learn about them, want to know about them. And showing that interest is, is one of the ways to really attract. Is that the case? Is that a good? Aren't people fascinating? People are just so fascinating. I love learning about people. I love learning why somebody studied biomedical engineering at university and then became a chartered accountant. I'm fascinated by that. Why why people who studied marketing and then they become a petrochemical engineer. It's like, wow, that fascinates me. You know, fascinates me why people chose the careers they do. It fascinates me why people do what they do and how they see it. It fascinates me how people see the world. Uh, so I'm, I'm sincerely and genuinely interested in people. Um, and maybe maybe that's a, a, a nature rather than a nurture thing. Who knows? But be interested in people because people are phenomenal. And, you know, the more people that you can be interested in, the more you can learn from and the more potentially you can serve. Yeah. Is there anything else you'd like to add, Spencer, before we wrap it up? No, I've enjoyed this. Thank you so much for inviting (laughs) me on the show. Thank you very, very much, Spencer. It's been an absolute pleasure having you here today. And you've given away some some amazing insights, some nuggets, great shares for people, um, whether it's developing your career in sales, enhancing your sales skills, um, building your personal brand. It's been absolutely fantastic. So thank you very much. And... For all of you watching there on the live or on the replay, if you have any other questions for Spencer, you can reach him, pop the comments, pop pop a question in the comments below or direct message him on LinkedIn. And so until next time, remember to build your influence, make an impact and be remembered for all of the right reasons by showing up 
as the best version of you. Thank you, Spencer. Boom. Thank you for listening. Please subscribe to this podcast if you haven't already done so. And if you enjoyed and gained value from today's episode, then do please leave a review telling us your key learnings and what you enjoyed the most. And do please share this podcast with your friends and colleagues so we can spread the word on life leadership, creating a life of choice, freedom and new possibilities. Connect with me directly on LinkedIn. And if you would like to learn more about how we can work together, either DM me on LinkedIn or email me. All details and resources can be found in the show notes.